Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another Rare Petro podcast. I'm the host, Tavis Killian, bringing you an episode of Monday Madness on April 26th, 2021. This, of course, is the last episode of Monday Madness for the month, and I wanted to extend some words of encouragement to the students listening to this podcast. Some of you have only a week or two of school left before you're finished with your last final, so push through the end. I thankfully only had to deal with three months of Zoom University when finishing up my degree, and I can't even imagine what a year of that would be like. So good luck to you. Keep it up. You're almost there. As for the rest of you listening to the podcast, just get outside and soak up some of that sunshine. I feel like we are going to have a great few months ahead of us, but I know you didn't come here to listen to me spew contagious positivity. You're here for the statistics and news, and by golly, I'll give them to you. First things first, WTI prices are sitting smack dab between $61 and $62, and I don't think we will see any drastic change in the near future. Don't get me wrong. Things are pretty good right now, especially considering a year ago, prices were roughly $16 a barrel as we weren't even a week out from that negative pricing event. All I'm saying is that COVID continues to do its thing and places like India are getting demolished. I mean, go to Google and look up COVID worldwide cases and you'll just see this massive bubble covering the eastern side of that map and it really is a result of India's skyrocketing case numbers. This means further lockdowns, restricted travel, and restricted industrial or commercial activity. What does that spell? Decreased demand. Considering all factors at play, it seems like supply and demand fundamentals have really been the king of price influence for the past year, and it looks like it might continue for quite some time. But this could be easily spun as good news. The price remaining stable above $60 while parts of the world battle COVID implies that the price could potentially rise more once we get through all of this hullabaloo. I really do believe that $65 is not out of the question, and I would not be too far surprised if we could hit $70 by the end of the year. Yeah, maybe way too optimistic, but ain't nothing wrong with that, right? The whole world needs energy after all, especially if other countries continue on their track of development. I was talking to one of my friends who works for a utility company in the area, and she revealed an interesting fact that I'd never considered. She said, It's difficult for the average home to use less than 50 standard cubic feet of gas per day. I didn't quite believe this, because that sounds like quite a bit just for a little bit of heating and maybe some appliances, but further research showed the average home in the U.S. uses just shy of 200 standard cubic feet per day. I imagine the rest of the world would love to have the luxuries of refrigerators, in-home heating, and gas stoves, so this is why I will remain bullish on long-term oil and gas prices. Enough about pricing, though. It's time for the rig count. Last Friday, Kevin, host of the Periodical Podcast, came to my office and bet that the rig count decreased by one. I said, no way, Jose. We've only seen a one week of negative count, a week of no change, and the rest have been nothing but gains, baby. I predicted that we tacked on four. I'm going to give you a moment to make your own prediction. Well, hopefully you sided with Kevin because we saw our second rig count decrease for the year of 2021. I know, I know, I had the same reaction, but sometimes the trend breaks when you least expect it. This week's culprit turns out to be the Permian, who posted a one-rig loss. Every other major basin says no change occurred, so this week we don't even have anyone in second place. It's just the Permian is the biggest loser, which you don't see very often. Breaking it down by type reveals that vertical rigs increased their total by 1, bringing it to 22, but directional rigs fell 1 to 19, and horizontal rigs also fell 1 to 397. Although a big red minus 1 looks bad right off the bat, I would argue that this is not a terrible week for the rig count. 
Remember, this is only the second week of 2021 to post a loss, and both of those weeks only lost a single rig. That's as close as you can get to no change without it actually being no change. So overall, an okay week for rig count. Last statistic to touch on is our domestic inventories. Both the EIA and the API were feeling bullish this week as they predicted drawdowns of just less than 3 million barrels each. And I was right with them if you remember last week's episode. Unfortunately, there was another build. Fortunately, it was only to the tune of about a half million barrels. The API reported a little more than 400,000 barrels, and the EIA reported about 600,000 barrels. Under normal circumstances, I wouldn't be too bummed. You have to expect that there will be an occasional build every once in a while, and this magnitude, not that bad. The thing is, these aren't normal circumstances, as we are fresh off of that 40 million barrel build that really occurred over a few weeks earlier this year. The only drawdowns we've seen to counteract that build have been, well, absolutely tiny. Our refined products also remain pretty tame this week, so no big changes in gasoline, distillate, or propane inventories as they all remain in mid to low portions of their five-year range, but again, I expect that warm weather will drastically increase the demand of gasoline. At this point, only time will tell. To sum up all the statistics, things are okay. It really was a week of no change, which I would argue is a whole hell of a lot better than a week of huge negatives. Next up, our stories for the week. I'm sure some of you have heard this one already, and Kevin was actually generous enough to send it my way, but Gavin Newsom is sick of fracking and has finally put his foot down. Or perhaps he has grown sick of people accusing him of not caring about the environment because political and environmental activists have been criticizing his lack of action related to oil and gas activity ever since he was elected. On Friday, he told CalGEM, which is the regulator for oil and gas in the state, to halt the issuance of permits for fracking by 2024. His goal is to phase out all oil and gas extraction by 2045. Fracking is only used in a small number of wells in California, considering the vast quantity of wells total, but this could limit reserves that they may need to access in the future. The industry, of course, has two options. They could just accept that a few wells are not going to be drilled by using fracking technology and move on, but this could be the beginning of many more actions to ban oil and gas. After all, if Newsom really does want to ban all extraction by 2045 and subsequent governors or political leaders want to uphold that goal, I would bet that they won't wait for New Year's Day 2045 to quit cold turkey. This would be the beginning of many more policies to restrict the industry activity. So again, the first option is to not do that much. The second option would be, of course, to push back and hope that people eventually come to their senses in the next 25 years to realize what the current Senate Majority Leader, Robert Hertzberg, knows. Like I mentioned last week, after voting down Senate Bill 467, you'll remember he said that this does not decrease carbon emissions, but rather increases the state's reliability on its neighbors for energy and products. Let's face it, while California can be just a regulatory headache for really anyone wanting to operate there, they have some policies that govern the extraction of some of the cleanest and most environmentally responsible oil and gas. If that ends, I think the state would encounter lots of road bumps. This would be sort of an Atlas Shrug situation, if you will. It's almost in the same vein of defense is really doing nothing, letting the markets regulate themselves. So overall, this is pretty consistent with what we've seen in California, but I'm excited to see how the industry evolves in the next two decades. Will they just roll over and take it, see how things change, or will they try to educate the masses? Because really, I think that's probably one of the best ways to fight back. Education for all. A Monday Madness podcast would not be complete without any talk of geopolitical factors, so our next story takes us to the coast of Syria. 
Just about a day ago, a tanker was hit with a drone strike. Initially, buzz in the media claimed that the tanker was Iranian, but Iran said it was not theirs. While it is suspicious that Iran was quick to say it wasn't theirs, and you may suspect they are again smuggling oil, TankerTrackers.com was actually able to confirm that the vessel was Lebanese. Still, this Beirut-registered vessel named Wisdom has been assisting Iranian supertankers by offloading way more barrels than they are allowed, so suspicions over Iran's involvement were correct, but they keep transporting millions of barrels despite sanctions, so I'm sure most ships are involved with Iran at some point in that area. Either way, that only explains the victim. So, who was the perpetrator? Syria immediately accused Israel, which is not too far-fetched. In fact, the Wall Street Journal reported earlier this year that Israeli army forces had specifically been targeting Iranian tankers headed for Syria as Tel Aviv claimed oil profits were funding regional extremism. Still, we can't be sure. Some reporting agencies have reported up to three casualties from the situation, but Israeli media claims that there were no casualties. Why do I bring up this story specifically? Well, it involves plenty of players. There's Israel, Iran, Lebanon, and Syria involved in this story alone. Recent episodes of Monday Madness have highlighted the dozens of missiles and drones that Houthi rebels have claimed to send to Saudi Arabia, and there's proxy wars in the region. Essentially, tensions in the Middle East are high, and the stress of 2020 has put some countries dependent on oil in a bad position. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not predicting a massive war, but I am saying that there are plenty of conflicts, and all it takes is one well-executed plan to disrupt the processing of 7% of the world's oil demand and raise oil prices 20% overnight, like we saw with the Saudi Arabian facility attacks at the end of 2019. Keep an eye on the news, because energy markets can change with the flip of a switch. For the last story, we bring things back home to talk about recent news from the BLM. Turns out that all lease sales in the second quarter of 2021 have been cancelled. Of course, this is a result of the Department of Interior's investigation of the federal oil and gas program that is attempting to judge whether or not taxpayers are receiving a fair return from the money generated by companies operating on public lands. It's also trying to judge if these lease sales are in compliance with NEPA and other United States trust responsibilities with respect to climate change and environmental justice. Of course, this is frustrating as it stems from the original 60-day drilling moratorium that popped off in January. This review is taking quite a long time and already shut down several lease sales, including a massive one in Wyoming. Hopefully this gets sorted through soon because these lease sales generate a lot of money for local governments, which is money that they could likely use now more than ever before. But that is the end of this week's episode. I know the statistics haven't changed much, but I do believe things are looking up and Rare Petro would love it if you joined us for the ride. Please subscribe to this podcast if you liked it, as we are always generating content, and send it to a friend so you two have something to talk about next time you meet up. Leave a review or reach out to me directly at podcast at rarepetro.com if you have anything you'd like to say. Speaking of the domain rarepetro.com, head on over there and you'll be able to find more news, research, and links to all of our favorite sources of data and information. Again, this is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody.